I think this will work. Do you have the others like nearby if you want to do a, you know, switch at some point? Do I you? do. Okay. But if I do a switch, it breaks the recording into two recordings. That's okay. That freaks me out. Oh, that freaks you out? Okay. Okay. Well, it just makes me nervous that I let, we lost the first recording, you know? Yeah, I see that. But if you're in, like, in a state of an emergency, just say, I'm going to switch out my AirPods, and we can, like, hang up. You switch them out. You check the recording is there, and we call back in. I just want to, like, put that out there as an option. Good point. Thank you. I appreciate that. Okay, cool. That sounds good. Yeah, trust me, my entire life is like, how do I optimize away from my anxiety? <laughs> so <laughs> I'm used to these kind of concessions. <laughs> oh my gosh. Hold on. I actually, I need to grab my phone now and I put it far away because that comment reminded me of, <laughs> there was this meme that got sent to me in a group chat. I think we talk about coffee and tea probably too much. So I wanted to read it to you. So there's like, it says tea and it has three bullet points. And it says coffee and it has three bullet points. So for tea, it's like calming, many flavors, the answer to all problems. And then for coffee, it goes anxiety juice, three heartbeats for the price of one, more than four cups and you can talk to electricity. <laughs> oh my God. I also, did you see that like anxiety is nature's coffee or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, yeah, okay, yeah, cool. I'm with you. I have both of those in spades. <laughs> okay, wait, are we recording? Oh, Has man. things okay. started? We are recording. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, oh my gosh, something happened today and I thought of you. I was like, I need to tell you this. So we were driving around and we drove past these buildings that have these like huge lawns, just like massive, massive, massive lawns. And they were all mowed to perfection, which I feel like is very American to have like all this grass that is like perfectly mowed and like everything is perfect. But it was just like huge buildings, like massive amounts of green grass. And I was talking to my husband in the car and I was like, wow, I bet the person who like mows the lawn gets to the other end at the end of the week and then just has to like restart all over again <laughs> at the next week. And then he was like, yeah, probably. And then I just kept talking and I was like, oh my God, it's like, you would never be able to complete this task. You would never actually make progress. You would always uh. have to keep continuing it. Like you, you would just like, and then I started spiraling. I was like, this is my nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. I can't believe you just said that. Have I ever talked to you about what I think is the job I would struggle with the most in the entire world? Have I ever told you this? Oh, no. What is it? Okay, so in London, there's this street I walk a lot, which is, like, really busy. And I don't know why cities do this, but some businesses, they don't have, like, a garbage bin. They just have a... You put the bag on the sidewalk, and then a car drives past and picks up the the trash. And I'm sure there's some kind of schedule around it. But to me, it all just seems totally random, and people leave trash in the streets all the time. And then <laughs> cars come pick the trash up all the time as well. And I remember there was this moment I was like walking up this street. This is like a busy, busy London street. And I was walking up the street and I saw one of those cars picking up the trash and like putting it in the car. And he had not driven like 10 meters away from where he picked up the trash when the business that was there put out a second bag. And I just... <sighs> It's not that I'm like, oh, it's so gross to be picking up. I'm like, no, no, no. I, I would do the work. Like, that's not a problem. 
but to drive the same road every day and pick up a bag yeah. every day. And even the 10 meters it takes you, like the four seconds it takes you to get, you know, to the next block, somebody's already put out trash again. And I'm like, yeah, uh, that just gives me nightmares. Yeah, that sounds very monotonous. And uh, I'm not into it. <laughs> sounds like the same task you're describing as like the moment you're done with the lawn you have yeah. to start it again because it's just never a done complete task it just exists into the eternity like there's always more grass in america and always more trash in london i don't know yeah, oh my gosh what's that metaphor <laughs> <laughs> don't worry there's lots of trash here too i'm sure <laughs> but yeah oh. no i mean the idea of like not having, not being able to really fully, truly complete something would give me anxiety. Yeah, it sounds really exciting. Wow, how do we get here? <laughs> such a stressful starting point. This is such a stressful. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. <laughs> yeah, do you, can you think of anything else that's going to give people stress dreams? Do you have those where you like dream of a never ending to do list or something oh. like that? I have stress dreams all the time, and they mostly involve, like, I don't currently live near an airport. Not that anyone's traveling right now anyways, but this was my my stress dream. And I didn't live near, an air, like, a, a big airport in Colorado either. So, like, if you're going to go to the airport, to, like, a, a big, like, main airport, which you usually would for, like, international trips, you're probably driving for, like, an hour and a half, two hours, like, at least for me for the last couple of years, to get to the airport. And I have these recurring dreams where we get to the airport and then I realize I don't have my passport. Oh. Uh, and, like, uh, it would just... That would happen to me forever before flights. And it's the one thing that it's like, oh, you don't have your phone charger? 50 people will sell you a new one, like, in the airport, like, no problem. Or, like, oh, you don't have this other thing? It's totally fine. It's replaceable. But, like, you can't replace your passport. You know, you have to just go get it. So that is, like, a recurring... That was a recurring nightmare for me when I was doing more travel. And then I had a lot of... I had a lot of recurring nightmares right before my wedding just because I was so in the details. um, Mm. And I had all these dreams about like I mean you know this there was a lot going on we had people on a ski lift so people had to like leave the hotel get on a bus get to the ski lift get on the ski lift to get to the venue like it wasn't like oh just show up and it's the same place as the hotel like there was there were instructions that people needed to follow and like my father-in-law so my husband's dad told me the day before the wedding he was like oh I was scoping out the ski lifts like I think I saw the one that we need to get on, so should I meet you there? And I was like, no, none of these <laughs> ski lifts that you see currently are the correct ski lift. Like, you need to get on the bus. Like, no one go looking for a ski lift. You look for a bus. The bus will take you to the ski lift, like, one step at a time. And I started panicking. I was like, what if everyone gets, like, on the wrong mountain for the wedding and, like, no one's at the wedding and, like, everyone is lost and we're trying to get everyone. Oh so, yeah, God. I've had all of those kinds of dreams. Oh that was also such a added layer because everyone was flying in and... yeah. It's so weird for me. I don't get any of these. Yeah. I feel like I could classify those as kind of understandable or kind of normal. The only one I very occasionally get <laughs> is, and this is kind of crazy, back when I used to be a barista in London, we had like a dock, I guess. I don't know what you would call it, where when people ordered coffee, their coffee order would come through with the barista. So they would know the order without them having to talk to the person who took the order. Okay. I don't know if you've seen these kind of systems, but it's basically a computer system that like you type in the order 
and then it pops up where the barista is. Very fancy technology. And I once, I just kept having these dreams for years where this little ticket with the coffee order, they would just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. <gasps> and uh, yeah, th- that was really stressful. <laughs> oh my gosh. That sounds stressful. Do you, What about like, do you have any more recent ones? Like the wedding one, I was just having like, you know, back in September. <laughs> no, I don't think I have any recent ones. That's good. Not that my life hasn't been like completely like flipped around, but <laughs> <laughs> somehow my dreams, they don't care about that. I, I think you and I have talked about this, but not on the podcast, but people are having more vivid dreams during the pandemic. There's an article that I will find because I sent it to you and that we will put in the show notes because I was noticing, especially at the beginning of the pandemic, that I was sleeping more. And then I started noticing I was having way more vivid dreams. And apparently researchers have like, this is a known thing. A lot of people are having more vivid dreams and a lot of people are sleeping more. I definitely... As soon as she sent me that link, I was like, that's what's been happening. I feel like it's not happening to me anymore, but definitely at the start of the pandemic, I was definitely, definitely having those long, vivid, like I was actually there kind of dreams. And then I don't remember where I heard this, but this is kind of like checked out to be true for like a lot of my life is that apparently when you start recognizing that you're dreaming or when you wake up, you realize you've been dreaming, it means you've had a full sleep. So my theory, oh, yeah. So when you wake up and you don't remember what you were dreaming or you weren't in this kind of like dazed state where you kind of know you're dreaming, but kind of not, you don't get there until you've had all the sleep that you need. That is so interesting. I'll see if I can find a source for this, but I heard this a long, long, long time ago. And I realized this has turned out to be true for me because only really mornings where I have those kind of sleepy, daisy, dreamy state is like Saturday mornings or something when I don't Mm. have to kind of like get up super early. Yeah, I remembered my dreams this morning, so I guess I had a really good sleep. (laughs) That's that's so nice. But today is kind of a weekend for me. Oh, yeah. Because it's Wednesday and I'm currently not working on Wednesdays, which is like so luxurious. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Okay, we have a whole section we need to talk about, but we have an entire episode planned before we get to that section. Yeah. Okay, should we start the show? <laughs> Let's start the show. We Are we leaving people on a cliffhanger? We, I don't think we've ever done that before. That seems... I feel like we've done that before. That seems stressful. I guess that's on message for what we've been talking about. Wow. We're just starting the show with stress dreams. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's a pandemic after all. It's true. So... We are going to do things a little bit differently this time, and I'm kind of excited. We're going to start with shout-outs. Yeah, so uh, for listeners of our last episode, episode 25, they know we opened the episode with uh, kind of like a statement about uh, us being observing what's happening with racism, I guess, in the world, and we committed to be better. Um, And so we are starting that process right now. Yeah, so that... If you listen to the last episode, that recording was tacked on later because we usually have like quite a leeway between when we record and when we publish an episode. So the Black Lives Matter movement hadn't like really taken up a lot of steam as much as it did sort of end of May, June by the time we'd recorded because I think we recorded that one in early May. So that was why that wasn't in the last episode. But now we have had time to reflect. We added the statement to our last and we just wanted to follow up with some action. 
And one of the things that we talked about doing that we are really committed to doing is to highlighting more the work of more Black people, both in our community and then just like outside of our community that we see and really admire. And so we wanted to start with that today. Yeah, absolutely. And also, I just want to say that it feels like why hasn't this been a part of the conversation all along? But yeah, regardless of that, I'm just glad it's a part of the conversation now. I feel hopeful for a lot of the kind of changes that are being made in the narrative. So these people are people whose work we totally love with or without them being Black. But I think like Black voices need to be amplified. And so that's why we're choosing to shout out some creators we really like and we really respect the work of. Yeah, I really like that. I agree. I feel like we've both been really, because I think we both started with our personal actions that we were taking on our like our personal social media accounts. And then for me, just being in communications, I was also focused on my work, like what Buffer was doing for all of this. And then when we took a moment and reflected on how the podcast can be used as a space to amplify Black voices, we realized there's so much opportunity here. So I agree. We're really excited about this. We're going to have a couple more calls to action at the end as well for different things that we'd love from anyone listening. But I like... I like that we're starting with some shout outs. And um, if it works for you, Happy, I'll just kick it off. Go, go, go. Okay, perfect. So the first person we want to shout out, her name is Maya Ely. So if you look on Instagram, it's M-A-Y-A-E-A-L-E-Y. So Maya Ely, we'll link to all of this in the show notes. And Maya and I used to work together and we have the same birthday, so we immediately (laughs) bonded. But she is so fantastic at what she does. She's a designer and illustrator. I tried to, I have tried to bring her on to different companies and like, yeah, she's she's very fantastic. So if you want to follow her on Instagram, one of the things that she's currently doing, and I think that, again, we record far in advance of when we release an episode, so they're, this might not be immediately what you see on her profile, but it's on her Instagram profile, is she has been doing this series on, it's like an A to Z series, where she does these different illustrations and writes words on it with different things that she wants to teach people with different illustrations. So I think one of hers that she just did was Black Wall Street, which was really interesting, and allyship and assimilation. So she's had some really good ones. So Maya Ely, and you have worked with Maya just through like, I know Maya. So I recommended her to you at one point as well, Happy. Yeah, that was actually one of my, it's actually been taken down now, but it's it's one of my favorite blog posts I've ever worked on because as I'm sure a lot of our listeners know, I've had a lot of conversation for creative people about social media and how to use it. And I used Maya as an example in a blog post about how do you separate your personal Instagram account to a professional Instagram account. And because I loved her illustrations, this was probably, what, five years ago or something? This was years ago. Yeah, this was a really long time ago. So yeah, her work totally stands. And I lo- and that series is so well made and is so thoughtful. And I'm just, I love that she's making it. So yeah, if, if you're on Instagram, please go check out Maya. Yeah. So Maya's great. Another one we want to shout out, her name is... Fadik Adeg Bui, and I hope I'm pronouncing this right, and I might not be, but again, we'll link to this. So I follow her on Twitter, and she works at Doist, which you may have heard of as oh the creators God. behind Todoist, which I use and we've talked about on this show a lot. Yeah. So I've had the pleasure of working with her as well on the different blog posts and things that she writes for Doist. So she's very cool. We've retweeted her from the Make Work Work account, so some of you may have seen her work before, but she does, she talks about 
the work that she does at Doist. She talks about remote work, and then she talks about writing as well. So she is a great person to follow in that space. Yeah. And then one more person that I want to mention, and then I'll turn it over to you, Abby. Darren Buckner, I've worked with him a lot as well. So he runs Work From, which is really cool. So it is, it's this really cool app that you can use to find spaces that you can work from if you're a remote worker. So, and you can be connected with other remote workers. So I've used and like seen their platform for years. Darren has been a part of the state of remote works that I run for work for Buffer for years as well. So he's been fantastic at that. And so we'll link to him. And he put together a Twitter list of Black people and people of color in the remote work thought leadership space that we'll link to as well. So that's a great list of people to follow on Twitter if that's a world that you're interested in. Yeah, so that's such an amazing collection of work. One creator that has really stood out to me in this whole, and maybe this is a little bit more directly about the cause and the movement and about what happened. I feel like I'm still in the education phase. I feel like I definitely don't have all the answers and I'm just trying to do a lot of listening. And one of the persons I've really enjoyed listening to, her name is Iverlight Brooks. What I really like about her is that she isn't necessarily like a typical influencer type of person. She's just, or I, I mean, she's an actress, but what happened is it was just so genuine. She was just sharing. She was seeing all these white people being really lost about what to do and how to contribute to this movement. And she just made this video that was so clearly hard for her to make. But it was so genuine and it was so helpful. And if Haley will let me, I just want to like mention a couple of points that she really helped clarify for myself. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So she had like a four step process to kind of talk through. But I definitely recommend you go watch her video because she says it so much better than I'm going to be able to. She talks first about the need to self-reflect, which I think is such an important step in this process. And also we all need to recognize if we're not Black that we have maybe contributed to something that we didn't realize or didn't attend to, but that doesn't matter. It's still created impact that we're now trying to work against. So I found that really helpful that she said it that way. Her next point was if you're really committed to this cause, you're going to have to be really comfortable with getting uncomfortable. There are going to be uncomfortable situations. Mm -hmm. There are going to be really painful topics. It's going to be hard to bring it up at work. Like there are all these. And I think this is why the problem has existed for so long. So if you are serious about standing up against racism, like you just have to accept that as a part of the process. The third point is once you commit to doing this work, you'll start seeing it everywhere. And this is, I feel like this has already kind of happened. I've seen, yeah, it's, it's sometimes really subtle. Like sometimes, obviously people, I don't think anyone considers themselves racist, but people who have not committed to the work, they might not say like something that is overtly racist, but you often hear a tone of people being like, oh, these people or in certain areas or something. And basically what they're saying is they're speaking against minorities, but they are not saying it outright. And I feel like I've actually noticed that, which is not comfortable, but that goes again to the uncomfortable point. She also makes it really clear, which um, coming from Iceland is a little bit different, but especially in America where the fight against racism is really centered on black people and police brutality. And she makes it really clear that this is not against police. This is against racism. 
And I think that's a really important point as well. And then her final point, point four, is saying that you actually already have influence. Uh, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have a thousand followers on this platform. Who am I going to talk to? And she has this great quote that I think everyone should just like at least click to find that part where she says, like, if you're at brunch, that's a big enough group of people to be talking to. I know a lot of people are not <laughs> having <laughs> brunch right now because of the pandemic, but even if you're just having a private conversation, even if it's just you and your family, that is already a big enough group to be having these conversations if you think it matters to stand against racism. So I really loved the way she put it. She's just such a genuine person and she really gets that it's not an easy topic. So I would really encourage anyone to go look at her work. She has more Instagram videos that are really high quality and really genuine and also don't come from a place of judgment, which I think is really helpful. I love that. Yeah, also just kind of related to her, but also I attended the Black Lives Matter protest in Iceland. I will remind you the pandemic is not so bad in Iceland at the moment. And what really stuck out to me is how every single person I really included talked about how tired they are. And I can imagine being from a community that is experiencing this kind of trauma again and again. It's really intense and really overbearing. And I think even just lightening that load a little bit is contributing to the cause. So there are obviously crimes being committed against people of minorities all over the world. And I at least, and I think both of us, see it as our duty to uh, lighten the load on on those people. Yeah. Um, next person I have, which I know is probably <laughs> like super big and has a huge platform already, but I just wanted to mention it, is apparently Teen Vogue got Vogue. <laughs> I don't know if that makes sense, but they have this young black female editor and they now have a great publication. It's super relevant on any topics about black people, identity politics. Obviously, there's a huge election coming up in the United States. And <laughs> I know it's kind of weird to be shouting out Teen Vogue because they obviously already have a huge platform. But I feel like a lot of our listeners might not have realized that this was a resource. And her name is Lindsay Peoples Wagner. And I just saw uh, Instagram live with her and she <laughs> she's just such a cool person. She was like, yeah, I know everything's really hard right now, but I have to go to work. <sighs> and <laughs> that's just something that I found really um, just like uh, funny how she said it. Yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add to that, Haley, or if you just want me to keep going. No, just keep going. All right. I mean, I haven't I haven't followed any of these people, so this is a good list for me too. Okay, yeah. And then a final person. I only came across him this morning, but he really resonated with me. His name is Justin, but the Instagram handle is We Just Will. And he was just talking about how because this topic is so uncomfortable and because it's such a big learning curve and because white people have just not really known how to get engaged with this conversation up until this point, which I think is like the problem. It's not that we didn't know about police brutality or any of these issues. It's just we didn't really know how to engage, or at least that's a lot what I've heard from my community. And uh, what Justin is saying in a video, I'll link to that specific one, is that this is going to be a super messy learning curve. And we, white, black, everyone, have to just kind of come to a place where we're just going to it's a safe space where we're going to get things wrong. But 
we're working on it. <laughs> Maybe one day we're not going to get it wrong, but for the time being, we're going to get things wrong. We're not going to have everything super polished. We're, yeah. And I just, I really am grateful for, I just can only imagine how hard it is to have like your community of people being attacked consistently. And then also having to have the patience to have us white people get it wrong. But we are receiving this grace uh, and I I just am deeply appreciative of it. And um, I'm going to get things wrong all the time as well. And I'm just grateful that I have this space to learn and try to get better. Yeah, I think that's so perfectly said. Yay. Okay, yeah. so because we've moved around all of our sections, <laughs> our next section is also not in the correct place. But should we go to... <laughs> Go Not the usual place for us, but yeah, <laughs> speaking on the topic of like, uh, you know, the learning curve, we wanted to talk about reading and educating yourself, which is a really important thing to be doing right now. And we both have a couple of resources in terms of books as well. Yeah. Do you want to kick us off? Yeah. I want to start not a book which is a weird way to start the book section. But I want to start with a fun resource that someone from my work shared that I will put in the show notes, which is a list of Black-owned bookstores in the U.S. So I'll put the link in the bookstore. There, sadly, were not any near me, but I'm going to keep an eye out for them as I like travel around the U.S. once we're allowed to move around again. So that is a fantastic list. And then in terms of books, there are two that I picked up from my local bookstore, that list of Black-owned bookstores made me feel like I should maybe really, like, remember to support my local bookstore. I've been, I'm in such a habit of just downloading stuff on Kindle. So I ordered these through my regular bookstore, which means that I have physical copies. And I kind of like that because I like that they're in my space and that hopefully when people can start coming around again and are, like, looking around, they can be conversation topics, like, that help, like, bring this conversation up to talk with people about about everything. But yeah, so I just wanted to mention that physical books for this one is the way that I went. So the two books that I am currently reading, well, that I've just started reading, are White Fragility, and I think a lot of people will have heard a lot about this book already, by Robin D'Angelo and Michael Eric Dyson, which is based on the title. You can probably already tell it's primarily aimed at white people and, you know, talking to white people. So I don't think that you have read this book, but I think you've heard of it, right, Habby? Yeah, and actually my family was saying that like this is like the flagship one that's being talked about at the moment. So I'll probably pick this one up at some point as well. Yeah, it's uh, the like second part of the title is why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. And um, yeah, it's it's very insightful already. And then the other book that I'm reading that I'm really excited about, this was a list that my work shared of resources. And these are the two that I picked out. And this one I haven't seen mentioned in a lot of places, but it's called Why Are All the Black Kids Sitting Together in the Cafeteria by Beverly Daniel Tatum. And Beverly Daniel Tatum is an authority on the psychology of racism. Oh, wow. So it, yeah, it just, it looks really cool. And it so far has been an interesting book. And so those are the two that I am focused on in terms of education right now. Yeah. What about you? The first one, I have another, I guess you can say blockbuster on this topic is Me and White Supremacy by Leila Sad and Robin Wow, it's the same guy. I only just realized that now. <laughs> Robin D'Angelo. Robin D'Angelo. <laughs> wow, <laughs> he's clearly... Or is it a he or a she? I don't know. Um, I am not sure either. Hold on. Let me 
click on their name (laughs) to make sure that we are getting this right. Oh, Robin D'Angelo. Wikipedia says female. Female. Okay, great. So identifies as a woman. So yeah, Robin J. D'Angelo for anyone that wants to look her up. Yeah, so I might have to find her on further. Yeah, so that book, what made me gravitate towards that one is was that it was uh, set up as a 28-day challenge where you read for long-term listeners. They know I am obsessed with the Daily Stoic, so I feel like it was a similar kind of format, um, even if it was a bit obviously on a different topic and also more interactive because it has specific prompts where you have to reflect on how you fit into this whole topic and I thought that would just be really helpful. This started out as an Instagram challenge, like a 28-day Instagram challenge, but it got turned into this publication. And I just because I follow Layla Sad on Instagram now, there have been people kind of downloading PDFs from her work. And I just want to say that, like, I don't think it's a great place to start having this kind of conversation by illegally downloading hmm. the work of a Black woman when we're trying to support. Yep. Black lives. So I know obviously not everyone has access to the same kind of resources, but I would just 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 putting that point out there. And so immediately talks about white fragility, which I thought was a really eye opening chapter because I actually ended up writing about it on my Instagram. I ended up saying um, that people are so scared to get it wrong and that's why they don't say anything at all, which I think is a point many, many people relate to. And I actually see this a lot in Iceland where Obviously, word of the movement has made its way here, but people are still very much like, oh, we don't have racism in Iceland because we're Iceland. Mm. But that is very wrong. And the way we treat immigrants and refugees is appalling. And so we in Iceland have a long, long way to go when it comes to racism. And I've seen a, I've seen actually more of the white fragility of like not daring to speak on the topic in Iceland than I've seen with my friends in the UK and my friends in the United States. So that's been a really interesting point um, because it's such a big learning curve for me. I go through it super, super slowly, but I feel like I'm already learning Yeah, so many, so many things. The next book got recommended to me through kind of a random way, but it's called Can't Hurt Me and it's by David Goggins. It's not maybe like a typical book that's being recommended right now, but It was basically recommended to me as a book that would probably be outside of my general reading list as like a challenge to me almost. Hmm. And I accepted that. Yeah, which was kind of like a cool thing. Uh, It was basically like me and one person where I recommended a book that'd be outside their typical reading recommendations. And this was the book that got recommended to me back. And I can just speak to, I never (laughs) ever would have picked up this book. David Goggins is, I think, like an athlete. Mm. I'm still early in the book. But what's really interesting, and I've never seen a book format set up this way before, is that there's a chapter, obviously. And then at the end of the chapter, if you get the audiobook, there's basically like a podcast between the narrator, like who reads the audiobook, and then David Goggins, where they kind of do a back. Oh, nice. Oh, my God. It's so cool. I don't know if you've seen a book like that, Haley, but no, it's a super cool format. So even just for the sake of the format, that's a super cool thing. And then I was starting to read this during the pandemic. And then David Goggins is, I think, an athlete who overcame really big difficulties. He went 
through the Navy, even though he was like overweight when he joined the ranks and ended up obviously super fit and then an athlete. So he's a really big inspiration to a lot of people, but <laughs> just hadn't crossed my radar in any way. And his story is basically a story of a black person in America. There are a lot of stories about him being the only black kid in white environments. Some white people pulled a gun on him on the street at one point. And it's really, it's really hard to read it, but I think it's really important as well. Mm. And I'm still in the part of the book where it's just all really difficult and I'm waiting for it to get inspiring. But yeah, I think it's really healthy to see just from like a single person's perspective, like what does their life actually look like? Yeah. And then the final book I have, which also may seem a little bit out of left field, but is also a bit of a hard read, is called my book club, Rebel Book Club in London, is actually reading it at the moment. It's called Invisible Women, Data Bias in a World Designed for Men by Caroline Criado Perez. And this book is so depressing, it's really hard to read it, but it's basically talking about how a lot of the algorithms that control our lives right now are made by white privileged men and any deviation from that. So if you're a woman, that makes you immediately super at a disadvantage. And then if you're more than one deviation, so if you're a woman and of color, it's like exponentially worse. So it immediately crosses into the racial lines, even though uh, the title is about women. But I think this is like, a, for anyone, especially in the tech industry, I know we have a lot of listeners who are engineers or work in tech. I think this is almost like an essential read, even though it's absolutely not pleasant in any way. Mm. Yeah, that one looks really interesting to me. I have read a little bit on that subject and I always find it both fascinating and depressing, but definitely there's the fascinating part. Apparently, this is also one that like gets to a hopeful part at some point. That's exciting. But I've not gotten to that part of the book yet. So hopefully uh, my book club is meeting next week to talk about this book. So maybe I'll have some feedback on that of how how it can get better in the future. Mm. So those are our reads that we are <laughs> currently doing. It's, yeah, it's a lot. Yeah. It is, but it's a super critical conversation. And I think that education is such a key component to moving forward and to learning and evolving. Yeah, and it just goes back to the point of it's going to be uncomfortable. We're just going to have to accept that. Just kind of live in this uncomfortable space for a while. Yeah. So I think the listeners can tell by now that this is one of the topics that we want to talk about today as well. I think one of the things you know, having listed some resources, one of the things we want to talk about a little bit too is privilege. Yeah. Yeah. I think we even said it like in our uh, episode 25 statement that we have been speaking on this podcast from such a perspective of privilege for 25 episodes now. And I don't think we've ever even acknowledged that. So mm -hmm. we are remedying that uh, starting now, but hopefully not just being like something we check off, but something we keep in mind going forward as well. So it's more accessible for everyone. Yeah, I, I think that us having that conversation and just reviewing and realizing like, wow, even just talking about all the travel that we were doing and talking about the fantastic ways that we're able to like see the world and go around the world is definitely coming from a position of privilege and is definitely reflective of both the way that we grew up and, you know, what we look like. And I'm sure so many other things that we talk about, but travel is like one that I immediately thought of as an example. Yeah. And even just the fact that we just buy the books that we want and 
it doesn't cross our minds. You know, like, I think there's like a million tiny little points you could really dig into. Yeah. The fact that we have access to whatever tools we need to make the podcast, to promote the podcast. You know, I think there's like a lot of things we super take for granted. But I think it's so healthy to recognize also all these things that we have and try to kind of see how we can use it to be better. I don't know. Yeah. And I think also like use it for good. Like this is why we want to use the podcast as a space to amplify minority and especially black voices. And I think that's really powerful. So both like use the position of privilege that you have for good and then also just like be highly aware of that or definitely be more aware of it than you have been in the past and change your actions accordingly is like what I'm thinking of. Yeah. No, that was well said. I think that's yeah, we definitely when when we start when we decided we were going to have this conversation, we both kind of immediately were like, "Oh, we have not been doing super good on this point." Yeah, and I think it's it's such an interesting one to reflect on. So, because not everyone has had this conversation about privilege before, but one of the things that you shared, Habi, and I've seen this, I think it's this exact checklist before, is a privilege checklist. And if you've never done this, it's a very interesting exercise because there are things listed there that you might not think of as a privilege, but that are absolutely a privilege. So we'll link to it in the show notes. There's 50 items. And I just went through and read it and and like was able to be like, okay, no, no, yes, 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 yes. And like pretty clearly see how much privilege I have. And I've done that exercise in the past. So like this is something that I've been sort of like aware of. But I think the checklist is really helpful in terms of like really bringing it into focus and seeing all these areas that you might not have thought of before that are a position of privilege. Yeah. Also, if I may just have a suggestion, I think we're obviously going to link to this checklist in the show notes. It's from Better Allies. And I would just do it. Yeah. And then count up your points because that's kind of how I did it. I didn't realize where I would fall. Uh, Or I mean, obviously, I realized I'd be pretty privileged. But also, it's interesting just to do it super honestly. And then once you kind of get a score out of 50 to see where you fall, and also, I agree, there are some points on there. And that's also from the Me and White Supremacy book. I'm like, wait, that's a privilege. And I just realized I had never thought about that. Like one of them is like, you can observe the holy days in your religion without using your vacation days. I was like, oh, yeah, of course, that's a privilege. But, you know, so I think there's yeah. points that you are ne- you never think about. It never crosses your mind. And you're like, oh, wait, I should just be at least aware of these things. Yeah, definitely. And I think that's the point, right, is that it's so easy to just fall back on privilege and really live in that space. But to truly reflect on it and acknowledge that it's different is more difficult. And that's probably, I mean, one of very many reasons. But one of the reasons that people don't do it more is because it is uncomfortable. It's like back to that idea of there's going to be a lot of discomfort with talking about these things and that's okay. And we know that that's going to happen. And I think privilege is one of those spaces like reflecting on you and your actions and your experiences is obviously so much more deeply personal and not always fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. So the thing about that privilege checklist, which I this time just glanced at, but the first time that I did it, I tallied up my my score. I think that's a fantastic suggestion, Habby, is that you were able to see the areas that you're privileged in and the areas that you're not privileged in. And I think something for both of us is that we do have a lot of privilege, but we are not like 100% privileged. So there's still areas that we're looking to that we've, you know, dealt with in our experiences where we aren't as privileged as others or we struggle differently. There was one element actually heavy that I thought of for both of us when I looked at that checklist and it was 
let me get the exact wording that they used because this is something I think both you and I have dealt with before, which is you don't receive comments about your accent or the way that you pronounce certain words. And I know that I probably sound very American to a lot of people, but to Americans, and especially when I first moved here, they could tell that I was Canadian and I got made fun of so much, which is like a very small thing to be totally fair, but I hadn't even thought of that as a as like a thing to consider. And I'm, I th- I'm sure that you deal with this all the time. And like, I, we talk to each other about accents constantly, but to receive them in like a professional setting when you're trying to say something to someone and they're like, oh my gosh, did you just say A? That's so Canadian of you, is like, is very different. So I think that the point of the privilege checklist is to acknowledge like how much you have and like recognize that you might not have all, you might still have some privilege and there are areas that you don't have privilege in. Yeah, absolutely. And also I think, um, I think this actually comes from Maya's, educational illustration Instagram account, which was talking about, wait, I'm going to see if I can find it. Did you see her post about like the salad bowl? Wait, when was that one? Wait, I don't remember. Oh, wait, is it the salad bowl? Was she talking about like assimilation? Was it that one? Yeah. The mosaic? Yeah. Versus the yeah, yeah, yeah. melting? Yeah, salad bowl theory. Here we go. Okay, so See, we are truly recommending these creators. We love what they are telling us, things that we had no idea how to articulate. And I'm so grateful for all this language that I swear I didn't know two months ago. And what she says here is, everyone, please go read her post about the salad bowl, the kind of problem that happened. And this is something that I definitely have caught myself doing. And I didn't even realize I was doing is that when you're different, so even it can be as small as like you're Canadian, but you're in the United States or you're from Iceland and you're in the UK is you try to, because you want to be taken seriously, you want people to listen to what you're talking about, not just hearing, trying to hear where you're from. Is you assimilate yourself with the culture that exists in that place. Yeah. And so you're kind of erasing your own identity. So you fit the kind of stereotype of your current environment. And even though I'm not Black and I'm not going to pretend to have any idea what that's like, my people who have listened to the show for a long time know my accent is like super influenced by where I am. But there was a point in my life where my accent was so English, English people wouldn't be able to distinguish that it wasn't English. Mm. But that's that. That's assimilation. I shouldn't have been doing that. But I was basically performing a role, which I think is what a waste of character and diversity that if everyone's trying to be some ideal that doesn't even exist, we're sacrificing so many opportunities for connection, so many opportunities for growth, so many opportunities for success. So that is one I definitely have experienced and I've done myself. Yeah. I totally agree. And to to the, your point on Maya's, I like the that salad bowl analogy. I wanted to mention that growing up in Canada, we were taught that America is a melting pot. Like in our history classes, we were taught, oh, America is a melting pot. And you come in here and you join the pot and then everyone is the same in this pot. And we were taught that Canada is a mosaic, which I think sounds similar to the principle of the salad bowl. Like, Everyone is different, but we all fit together. So I find that interesting. I like the salad bowl, too. I I grew up learning about it as a mosaic. Well, I just didn't learn about it at all. (laughs) Maybe that's why (laughs) I'm so excited about this. Yeah, I think just because, you know, the U.S. and Canada are neighbors, we did learn quite a bit about the U.S. as well. 
Yeah, I think we've both recognized that we have a lot of privilege. One of the other privileges that we want to talk about, which I think is something that we've probably mentioned on this show a lot, so it's definitely worth addressing, is that we both grew up being told and have lived our lives based on the idea that hard work pays off and that, oh, just work hard and you'll get there and, like, do the work and you will make it. And that is definitely a privilege. And I think you said this really well, Happy, but you said that you're, like, you're trying to work within a flawed system. Yeah, it's, I think I I didn't even realize that was racist. (laughs) Like, I didn't think that believing in hard work would be racist. Like, I've seen people in my life become very successful on their own backs, or so I thought. But they already had the privilege of being able to get education. They already had the privilege of they were listened to when they walked into a room. So there's so many kind of assumed privileges before you can get to that point where hard work pays off. Like, I I still believe that, obviously, if you don't do any work, you're going to have a different result to somebody who does a lot of work. But what I kind of, my eyes have been open on a different level to how some people, I think one of the biggest privileges I'm grateful for at the moment is the fact that I don't have to send money home. Yeah. Whenever I hear about a, like a teenager in particular who's like 14, 15, 16, they have their first job, their first paycheck, and then they have to send it home. So their mom can buy food for the table. That I find so, so hard because how do you even compete with that? Because, I mean, how do they compete with those who don't have to do that? Because it's almost like they don't have a chance because other people are able to invest in themselves. They're able to make their own money. They're able to spend their resources in a way they see fit. And they are just trying to make sure the family has something. And I actually have a friend who kind of had to do that. And our differences in perspectives is so built on that idea. This friend always has to make sure she has enough money for some kind of super bad event to happen because her family is not going to be able to bail her out if, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So that is also something that I have really realized about myself, that I was privileged enough that I could work to just to build myself up. I didn't have a large group of people I had to financially support. Yeah. And I think that I think that idea of hard work pays off and just work hard and you'll get there is starting from the principle of equality of we are all equal, which is just not true. If if we were all equal, then sure, maybe that principle makes more sense. But the thing that is being talked about is we are not all starting from the same place. We are not all equal. And then also there's a difference between equality and equity. I don't know if you've ever seen this drawing, Habby, but ever since I saw it, it has like changed my my view on things. And it is the difference between equality and equity. And it's people looking over a fence. Do you know the one I'm talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I'll explain it for the listeners. So I'll include a link in the show notes if you're more visual. But there's a fence, there's a baseball game going on, and there are three people on the outside of the fence looking in at the baseball game. A tall person, maybe like a someone in the middle, and a short person. And they each are trying to look over the fence, and they each get the same size box. But even with them all having the same size box, the tall person just can see more, and the like middle height person can see over the fence, and the short person still can't see over the fence. So it doesn't make sense. Like, you gave everyone the same thing, but because everyone is different that does, still doesn't truly create 
equity. And so the next side of the image is equity, and the tall person has no boxes because they're fine. They can see over the fence already. And then the mid-sized person still needs one box to see over the fence, and the shorter person needed two boxes to be able to see over the fence. So the difference between equality and equity is, like, so clear in that instance of, like, you can't just give everyone the same thing and assume that they're going to have the same results because people are starting from different places. And in, in this image, they they use height as the example. But I think that it's so, once you realize that, not everyone is starting from the same place. It means so many of these principles that we're taught and like, especially in tech and maybe the business world of just work hard and you'll make it and just like do the work and it's going to be totally fine are simply not true for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. I read, this was actually not a black person, but it was also a person who didn't have a lot of privilege. It was, I think it's come up on the podcast before. Oh, what's it called? It's that book Everyone was talking about it like last year. I'm going to need more than that. Hillbilly Elegy. Oh, Hillbilly Elegy. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the one. Sorry. I was so bad with like titles. I'm so visual. I just see it in my head. It's okay. I didn't read that one, but you did. And you've talked to it on the show before. Oh, it's such a good book. I know it's not about Black people and we're focused on that right now, but just to understand what it's like to not have any resources when you're growing up, like what just broke my heart was like this guy, he kind of found his courage to be ambitious I think it was in this book and then he was just talking about like he didn't have a chance to move to New York he didn't have a t- chance to move to DC or a big city because you need like thousand two thousand dollars just to get there put down a deposit on your shitty room you're gonna be renting in like yeah. in London the equivalent of zone four which is like way out in the it takes you over an hour to get into the city but like I did that. I was able, I had no money when I arrived in London, but I wasn't sending money back home. I was able to kind of hustle together just enough to what I needed. And that was already way more than the the person who couldn't even get their ticket into London or into New York yeah. or into San Francisco or LA or whatever place. And I also just think that like so many people get like left in maybe a place they don't want to be, but they don't have any resources to get kind of out of there. And I just, yeah, I've been reflecting on that a lot recently. Yeah, I, okay, so I also want to talk about some of the other points that you brought up because this is so, that's so true. And there are so many other areas that people might not think of. And we have a couple more that I think are like in particular things that we've talked about on the show. So don't have to send money home is one that you've mentioned. Mm -hmm. And I think, be able to network is one that you wrote down that I think is so true. And this in that situation that you just described, for example, it's harder for someone to network if they're living in the middle of nowhere. And I've experienced this in different cities that I am living in, too, because I have I've moved a lot where even though in theory, everyone can network online, it's not the same as being there in person and people will give you different types of attention and give you like different offers in person than they would online. And so even like, for example, I've lived in San Francisco and the networking there, you know, was incredible. And there are so many spaces where you can go, you could just meet people. And like, Habby, when you came to visit me, we went to an event and there were so many incredible people that we met. And that just isn't available to you if you, you know, there are certain things that are available, which is amazing, and but it's just not the same. So being able to network is definitely a huge privilege. Absolutely. And it's it's not even just like, are you physically in a location where people who are tremendously driven gather and that density that you get from a big city, like the ones we mentioned, but it's also like, do you have the leisure time? Like, yeah. Can you just go because you want to? And that book about uh, invisible bias and data, 
is saying that like a lot of care work about for family members falls on women. And that's why a lot of the events yeah. you go to, you see a lot of men. And there are all these kind of like built-in systematic privileges that is like really hard to see and acknowledge. But once you start seeing them, you're like, oh my God, they're everywhere. And also we're going to get to this a little bit later, but I've realized like every single privilege I have in my life probably comes from my network. Mm. I have been reflecting on this a lot recently. I have an unbelievable network. I thought my parents had a really good network, but like I, as me, have an unbelievable network and I'm able to mobilize it when I need to get things that I need to happen, which is also like incredibly, like it's almost dizzying. I didn't realize I had that as just me. And that comes from literally probably a decade at this point of networking in many cities across the world. So that is something that I am like reflecting on. And also I want to see how I can do more with it that is benefits people that maybe don't have that. And that's why we shared it on the last episode. Haley and I want to see if we can help people with writing feedback or with anything, especially if it's Black people or of minority, because I just, I feel really strongly about this. I don't think we fully mentioned that on the last episode, but we will have more on that at the end of this episode. Oh, (laughs) this episode is just full of teasers. Everything's going to happen at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Everything's happening at the end. Yeah, Yeah. the network one, the network one is really good. Another one that I, that really resonated with me is that I grew up with parents who told me, you can do whatever you want. Like, whatever you want to do, you can do it. And that's such a different mindset to take with you as you go through school and if you're doing anything after high school, if you're able to get more education and then and then into the workforce, that's a very different mindset than a lot of other people might grow up with. And so just being told, oh, yeah, you can do whatever you want to, whatever you want to do, you're you're fine, is such a privilege. Oh, my God, absolutely. And even for myself, I don't think we've ever talked about this on the podcast, but my parents have like both of them each have like built a business. So growing up in that environment and seeing that from the kind of inside with all the successes and the failures and the highs and the lows and realizing how much is glamorized in society and that it's (laughs) the reality is a little bit different, but also incredibly privileged that they were able to do that. And I've been able to see that. But also that just means they everything I'm going through, they've already done. Like I have still not maybe like past their achievements by no by no means. So if I'm looking for advice, if I'm looking for help, if I'm looking for anything, it's as easy as to ask my mom or ask my dad. And I realize almost, or maybe a lot of people do have that, but a lot of people absolutely do not have that. And they have to build their own professional kind of mentors or someone who is more experienced, more skilled, that it's not necessarily easy to come by because those people are busy. And yeah, so that's something that I've also, like my mom told me to go networking when I was still a university student and I had nothing to offer. (sighs) And I like, and I did, and I still know people from that time. So I think like little nudges like that. I've been having so many conversations with my mom about this and she's like, yeah, but you were the one who went and did that then. Like you, you can also take ownership of your part in that. But I'm also just reflecting on it on a point of someone who maybe doesn't have that kind of access. So something that I read recently that I shared with you, Habby, and this was so timely because it really resonated with me. And I think it it perfectly 
encapsulates sort of what we're talking about here is this great email from James Clear. I've talked about him on the show a lot before because I really love his work and his book, Atomic Habits, is one that I've mentioned on the show a lot too. So I'm a huge fan of his work and he sends out this newsletter every Thursday and it's called the 321 Newsletter. And one of the things that he shared in this newsletter was there are three primary drivers of results in your life and you control two. So the three drivers are your luck, your strategy, and your action. So your luck is randomness. And we added privilege to this as well. Yeah. Your strategy is your choices and your actions are your habits. So I'll link to the newsletter if you're interested. I thought this was such interesting framing because it's true that we have both done a lot of work on our strategy and our actions. We have a lot of episodes where we talk about these, like our strategy, our choices, and our actions and our habits. And we have never talked about on the show before, like the luck factor, or maybe we have like in small amounts, but this feels like the biggest conversation that we've ever had on the podcast, which I think really leans into privilege. So like of these three drivers in life, we have spent a lot of time honing and working on action and strategy. And it's just so interesting to reflect on the amount of luck that we received it w- through privilege. Absolutely. And there are, I've actually always struggled with the concept, I think in part because, I don't know, I don't know why I struggle with that idea of luck, because I think also, I feel like a lot of opportunities come your way when you're just there, like right place at the right time kind of thing. And I like, I struggled with classifying that as luck. Yeah. But and I like, and he calls that randomness, but I actually now feel like that's actually privilege. The fact that you're able to go out there and be in those places is privilege. At the right time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And there are like all these quotes that is like 90% of success is showing up, which I think is a, there's a lot there. There's a lot there. Yeah. I love the framing from James Clear on, because I think this is actually so true. Yeah, it's a really good framework for really easily understanding sort of what we're talking about here, but then also just sort of reflecting on the work that you're doing in your own life and the way that your own life is moving and like, what are the factors that you control? Again, the two that you, there are two that you can control out of the three. And then I think in our case, one of the things is like the third one, luck, which we have had a lot of, you know, privilege. It's hard for someone else to have that. So how can we use the privilege and the luck that we do have and help someone else with that? Like use that to help someone else with this driver of their life? Because maybe they're great at strategy and actions, but they just don't have the same levels of privilege as us. So I think it's just such an interesting framework to conceptualize the idea and what we're working on. And I think it really helps to see, okay, there's this one factor that people can be doing lots of really great work, but they still can't influence. And that is where you can oftentimes add the most or help someone out the most. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the other two are literally the overarching theme of this podcast. <laughs> like We have talked so much about strategy and choices and action as habits. I think, yeah, it's really helpful because I also think that like, you know, the other quote is like, the harder I work, the luckier I get. It's, there's also kind of from that privileged standpoint, some truth in that. But I think recognizing what a huge part of anything we have is based on luck and privilege. I think even just the acknowledgement of that is such a helpful position. And then we are obviously still just learning. Like there's so much that we don't really fully understand yet. And are I'm excited to see what our listeners have to say about luck and privilege as well. Yeah, definitely. And I think too, 
you're right that we have so many episodes on the like choices strategy or on habits, actions, or like a mixture of both. But we did try to grab a couple for people who are particularly interested in this framework where you can listen to a little bit more where we talk about each of these. So should we just list them? Yeah, let's list them. Okay, do you want to start and then I'll do the next one or how do you want to do it? Okay, yeah. So uh, as I said, like the overarching theme of this podcast has basically been how do you structure your life to kind of optimize for those two things? I think that is definitely the case. And the first one was episode six, where we're talking about making long-term plans, which we would classify as working on choices and strategy. Yeah. And then right after that, episode seven, we talk about thinking principles, which are really interesting. So that also falls into the choices strategy category. Yeah, in episode 12, we introduced the ideas of themes of the year, which has also come up on other episodes. And in this case, we also talked about it in relation to perfectionism, and that would also fall into the choices and strategy category. And then episode 17, we talk about habits gone too far and addiction to productivity. So that is a little bit on the actions habits side of things. Yeah, then episode 19 is about daily habits and a writing routine, which is also action habits. And then the... Last one that we want to recommend is episode 25, and that is on readjusting goals. That was our last episode, which is another, you know, traces strategy one. So we'll link to all of these in the show notes. We do have a lot more full episodes on choices and strategy, and then we just tend to talk about habits and actions a lot in every episode in terms of like reading and writing and routines and the the episode on the artist's way, which is episode 19, is like such a really good example of that. And then we kind of talk about that in a lot of other episodes. But we just wanted to highlight those. So for anyone else that's really interested, I thought that framework really encapsulated something that I had never been able to say this clearly before. So for anyone else really interested in that framework, those are the episodes if you haven't listened to them before or if you're looking for episodes specifically related to that kind of framework that you can reference. We see it as our responsibility to continue to learn about our own privileges. And also something I've believed in for a very long time is the idea of paying it forward. Yeah. Do you, you obviously know what that means, but do you think everybody who's listening is familiar with that as a concept? I think, I think so. Sort of like what you have, I'll try to maybe explain it really quickly. Whatever you can do, wherever you get to in life, helping others get to the same place. I've seen a lot of images where it's like images of women pulling each other up onto the same level, which I really like. And then one of the expressions that you said when we were talking about this was send the elevator back down. Yeah. So like, oh, you got off the elevator at this floor. Super cool. Send the elevator back down. Help someone else (laughs) come up to this floor too. I really love that visual. But yeah, just this idea of use where you are right now to help other people get to this floor. And I think something that I've seen too that I just want to touch on quickly is that people are scared of, oh, I don't want too many people to get here because there's more competition. And that is such oh my God. a negative mindset. I hate that way of thinking. Yeah, it won't get you anywhere. It's so dumb to me. And it is not true. And trust me, the more people that you have on your floor, the easier it's going to get to be to, at the next floor and like everyone lifting each other up and people get different opportunities. And just trust me, you want more people on your floor. <laughs> exactly. There is this... This is like metaphor of the floor. There is no limit to the number of people that can be on that floor. Like, do not worry about fire safety. Bring everyone on up. I used to joke, this was back when uh, my good friend, Taylor Swift, who is also having a conversation about privilege, uh, when she was like the most in the media with all of her celebrity friends, I've joked 
that I have like a Taylor Swift approach to friends. Because <laughs> the way I see it, it's like the more impressive my friends list is. I'm like, these people want to know me. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> so I like want people that are inspiring and that are better than me and that like, yeah, whatever. Like, I think we, we touched on networking before, but I think it's so true. It's like, you're good at something. Somebody else is good at something else. It's not a pie. We don't all have to share it. There's space for everyone. Yeah. There's so much space in this world. We don't all need to fit like a square box somewhere on the ground floor. We can all just go all over the place. Yeah. Bring everyone up with you as you move on. Just trust me on this. <laughs> also, I just have to say, like, I see this a lot with people actually respect you more if you are boosting other people. And I'm not saying like, oh, that's yeah. why we're doing this. But when you see something you really like and you share it freely, that gives you also just such credibility and it shows that you're listening and like it's a, that you have literally nothing to lose. So I think it's such a good practice too. I, I've observed this in my own life because when I came to London, I didn't have anything. Um, obviously, from the privileged standpoint of like, I still had like a security network and all that, but I didn't have a lot of resources. And I had so many people help me out that I didn't even really know. And I remember just realizing I'd never, ever, ever be able to thank these people because they were just kind of like sending an email there or putting up an intro here. But I have since then, like whenever I'm in a position to like facilitate something like that, I try to do that. That's how you also build the network, which is also just like a good thing for everyone yeah and sometimes all people need is that email intro like this doesn't have to be if you're thinking like i'm so busy and there's no way i'm going to be able to like support a bunch of people in their careers like that's you know that's not what we're saying sometimes it's just making the right introduction or you know as listeners of this show know something that i'll do for a lot of people and that i've done for listeners of this show in the past is look at their linkedin profiles i just have a lot of experience editing them and it doesn't have to take you a long time and it doesn't take me a long time to look at people's linkedin profiles and say like here are the three places you can make the most improvement and it doesn't take a long time to like write an email introduction or something i had someone ask me recently too that i thought was really insightful is that she has never worked in tech before and she's looking to start working in tech. And she said, can you look at my resume from the eye of someone in tech? And she's coming from nonprofits. And she's like, is there any language that I'm using that doesn't make sense? Or does this make sense? Like that's, I thought that was such a smart ask on her end. So even if you're in that situation where you work in tech or you work in an industry, someone's trying to break in and you can help them with the language they use on their resume or the way that they approach an interview. I think there are a lot of really small things that you can do that will really make a difference for someone. So definitely don't feel overwhelmed with this immediately. Just start one step at a time, doing things slowly as you see them come up. Yeah, absolutely. And I think like what's so beautiful about the kind of space we are at this moment is there's this, like I said before, almost like this grace period. Like you're you're still able to get things wrong. You're still, it's still so accepted that everyone's learning. And I, I think some of the really helpful things are just to follow Black people on Twitter and on Instagram or whatever platform you use. And then because the amazing work is happening everywhere and even just our attention helps. Yeah. Like just us looking at that contributes to them having a bigger platform. And so there, there is there's so much space to do something that isn't even a big commitment on 
your part or my part or anyone's part that is still really helping. And I think that's just something that's so important for everyone who cares about this. I totally agree. That's why we started this whole episode with listing different creatives, thought leaders, Black people in this in the space that we already follow that you can follow. Because I think I've loved this wording that people have shared where they've said, amplify Black voices. And I love that. And the first stage of even like hearing and seeing those voices is to make sure that you're following them <laughs> so that you can see when they do stuff, you know? And so this is, I yeah, I totally agree. And I agree that, you know, giving it attention or Whatever it is, however you can help amplify Black voices, I think is so helpful. And I agree, it doesn't have to be a huge lift. Whatever you have the time and the space and the energy for right now is like a really good first step. Yeah, and I also maybe just like want to wrap this section on uh, my my good friend Ivor Lee. What, what I found really inspiring is that she was like almost at like on the verge of tears that she didn't think she would experience this change in her lifetime. Mm. And... I just got goosebumps. Like, obviously, there's a lot of bad violence happening. But for the first time in my lifetime, it's like, I feel like I knew about it, but I didn't know how I was able to talk about it. But I feel like you and I, Haley, and people who are white and even in a different country or whatever are given, we are basically being given the gift of caring about each other and lifting each other up in a way that is amazing. And I also feel so lucky to get to experience this time. And I just, I see so many hopeful things out there that are just so beautiful. And please also send us, we also always say this on the recording, but we really mean it. Please send us any resources you have or any thoughts you're having about anything we've talked about on this episode. Yeah, I totally agree. Another thing we want to say is one of the things we want to offer to help other people is something that we've talked about on this show a lot. And this feels like the biggest area where we can give feedback that will be helpful is writing feedback. So if you are a minority person of color, a Black person, woman, any any area where you could use writing feedback or you could use feedback on the writing that you're doing and you are not already at an advantage, please reach out. Our email is hello at makework.work and then just put the subject line as writing feedback and we will look at it. We're not sure yet if it'll be both of us, it'll probably just be one or the other and we'll like rotate depending on how many requests that we get. But please do feel free to reach out. Um, please email us. And even if it's not specifically writing feedback, but you think that there's a way that we would be able to help, definitely reach out. Absolutely. And even if it's not, you need help with it, but you just want us to read it and you wrote it, like please send it to, to that email address and we want to read it. We want to learn more. We want to hear from more people and we definitely want to amplify black voices and i just want to make it really clear we're not just doing this one episode about it and then that's the end of it like we are committed to this work like we think this matters also i just want to say it has been proven again and again that your team benefits so massively from diversity if you're like within a company or something like that because any kind of if you've ever seen a PR disaster, it's probably because the person who's kind of being spoken against, somebody who represented that group probably wasn't in the room yeah. to catch it before it went out. I think a lot of uh, the probably the sexist uh, narrative is the easiest one to catch, or actually also the racist one, is sometimes you see a PR statement and you're like, how did that get out the door? Uh -huh. 
And then you realize, oh, like, oh, there was no woman in the room or there was no black person in the room because they would have caught that yeah. immediately. So, um, such a good point. Yeah. So it just strengthens whatever work you're doing to have more than five people who all have exactly the same background doing something. Yeah. I totally agree. Speaking of where our privileges land us, uh, we have some updates. Yeah. And I think that in the past, we probably would have shared these updates without looking into the privilege that got us here. So I'm really happy that we are able to have this oh my conversation God. around privilege and share these updates with the lens of like we recognize where this is coming from. This is so true. I want you to go. I think you should go first. I think so too, because mine is smaller. And so I want to spend more time on yours. <laughs> so my update is, and some of the listeners who follow me, if you follow me on Instagram or on Twitter, you will have seen this. I have started writing for Built In, which is a tech publication that seems primarily US focused. And the difference for writing for them than for other places that I've written for before is that they are paying me, which is a first. I have never been paid to be a writer before. So this has been really exciting. That's so cool. Yeah, I've been really happy with it. And yeah, I don't have a lot of experience with paid writing, but if anyone else is in paid writing and they have questions that they think I can answer for some reason, even though I'm very new at this, feel free to reach out. <laughs> but yeah, I've been really excited. So I am on a monthly cadence right now where I'm writing for them once a month. And so they're paying me for one article a month. And... I am, yeah, I'm just really enjoying it. The thing that I like about Built-In is that they have an editor that I'm working with. So even though I'm an expert contributor, I'm not like on their roster of reporters or anything like that. So I'm an expert contributor, but I still work with one of their editors. So I send them a piece when it's finished and I've only done one so far, but he went through the whole thing and with the lens of an editor, made changes, suggested improvements. And I found that so valuable for what it would do for my writing, which is why I agreed to write for them in the first place was, I mean, obviously it is very nice to get paid, but one of the things that I was also keen for is getting the eye of an editor on the work that I was doing, because I think that that is such a fantastic resource. And so he looks at the, each piece twice. He reviews it twice before it gets published. And I just found that extremely valuable. That's so cool. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about, I know you said a little bit about the publication, but a little bit more about the publication. And then you also want to tell us uh, what kind of pieces you're going to be writing there. And is this like a three-time thing or is this a medium-term thing? Like what's the kind of scope of this? Yeah. So Built-In is tech news. They do trends and they do sort of like professional development, but definitely an eye for tech and definitely an eye primarily for the U.S. I know they have an office in Chicago and a couple of other places in the U.S. And so the kind of things that I'm going to be writing for, the reason, and they actually reached out to me, which is why this is so related to privilege. I didn't reach out to them and pitch myself. They reached out to me based on some of the articles that I've seen. And then they were like, hey, we would pay you to write articles for us. Are you interested? And I wrote one article at first to see how it went, and then it went really well. So we decided on a monthly cadence, and I'm planning on writing articles for them once a month for the rest of 2020 for now. So that's oh, sort of what we've agreed for for now. That's so cool. Congratulations. Thank you. So I'm really excited. Yeah. And when they initially reached out about what are you comfortable writing about, the first article that I wrote is about remote work. So I said remote work is one that I'm very comfortable writing about and I have strong opinions on. <laughs> and I have a lot of experience writing about remote work as well. And then the other topic that I'm going to focus on is sort of that public relationship relations, media relations, communication side of things, especially in tech, since I have been a public relations person 
in-house at tech startups and at tech companies for my entire career, which is a unique lens. There are a lot of PR people that work at agencies, and it's, it's just a different vibe. And so I am planning on writing about PR and, and comms things as well. That's so cool. Yeah. I'm so excited for you to have a, a new platform for your work. <laughs> Thank you. I'm excited. I'm going to keep sharing the pieces as they come out. And it's uh, it's been a lot of fun. So yeah, I'm really grateful for that. And I'm really excited to see how it goes for the rest of this year. But your news is uh, very big. <laughs> so I will oh, God. give it the mic to you now. Um, I have a new job. Yay! Congratulations! Thank you. It's been a bit of a... I'm still kind of catching up with everything that is happening in my life myself. Uh, my mom has this... No, apparently, I think it's Native Americans. Is that the correct term to use? In Canada, we would say First Nations. Okay. But I think that that's... It depends on the community and what they how they prefer to be referred to. So I think in, in, in Canada, they... Like the different groups have all agreed First Nations is the way that they would like to be referred to. But I think Native Americans could be correct for some American groups, but I am not 100% positive. Okay, so this comes from my mom. I think she used Native Americans, and I hope that was the correct choice. Anyway, they had this theory that there's like the soul, like, you know, you have a body and a soul. Uh, your soul can only travel so fast, and that's why you get jet lagged. Because oh. you've gone somewhere really quickly and then your soul is just still kind of slowly catching up. And that's why you kind of feel a little bit disjointed. Oh, <laughs> I love that. Hold on, wait, one more on this. So this is something that probably the listeners don't know is that my mom works with First Nations people in Canada. Oh. And so I don't think that I've talked about this on the show before. But one thing that she told me about years ago that I've always thought that's sort of similar, I like the idea that you're your soul doesn't travel as fast if you're like flying is that at least in the region of Canada that she works in, she had been told by a couple of First Nations people that one of their things is they will only ever take an elevator up. They will never take an elevator down oh. because of the like, I think it's a soul thing as well, because it's like positive to move up, but you don't want to move down so quickly. So you like <laughs> take the stairs. <laughs> I love that. And I love that. That's stuck with me. It's also better for the environment, probably. Let's hope. Small things. Yeah, Small so things. that stuck with me, and that reminded me of what you just said. I like that. Your soul doesn't travel as fast as, like, your airplane. <laughs> yeah, and I think sometimes my mom, when she's been jet like because she's also very privileged, she's like, oh, my soul's still on the way, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> it's just so cute. But I feel a little bit like that. Not that I'm jet lagged because I'm not obviously traveling at the moment, but in terms of just, like, my life has kind of been on a bit of a whirlwind, but yeah. somehow that whirlwind has landed me a job that is kind of amazing. And I'm still kind of amazed that I got it. And yeah, should we talk about it more? Yeah, definitely. I think too, you can talk about something that I know the story of that I find is really interesting is, is like, how did you hear about the job and what does the company do? And I know that you knew the people who ran the company before you applied, or at least tangentially knew them. Yeah. So just to start with the headlines. So it's a company called Avo, A-V-O. Their website is avo.app. I'm sure Haley will put a link in the show notes because he's so I diligent will. with these things. <laughs> and I will be doing marketing for them, which is I was a product manager where I was before at Promogogo, but I am now going to be a marketing manager for Avo. And how that kind of makes sense and delights me in this like meta weird way is that Promogogo was a product about marketing and I was the product manager 
And Avo is a product for product managers. <laughs> and I'm doing the marketing. <laughs> so I've kind of... It's such a fun flip. Yeah, so I'm actually really excited about being in conversations with more product managers. I think as someone who's worked in product management for six years, I think now, I think there's kind of like a little bit of a desert when it comes to resources for product managers, which to me is kind of crazy because developers regardless of programming language, have all the resources in the world. And so do marketers. You can very easily find a marketing one-on-one somewhere. So do founders. I feel like there's a lot of support now. For, it probably didn't used to be that way, but that definitely has been created in a lot of these privileged places like San Francisco, London, these kind of places. So I remember being a product manager. That was something I wasn't sure how to explain, how to articulate, what resources I should have gone by etc etc to the point where like I remember the first person who was a stranger who I said I'm a product manager too and he got what that meant is literally one of my best friends today so (sighs) I really care about that aspect of it but I also really like marketing so I'm super excited that I'm just going to be like full-on marketing talking about product management and what's really striking to me is that my job is actually not that super different even though My other one was about marketing in the music industry, but the kind of fundamentals we were always talking about was how do you use data to make better decisions? And um, Avo is the same, but for product managers. So they have a really elegant solution for making your tracking within your apps better. And that is primarily used to create better user experiences. So tracking is Like (laughs) every programmer hates this. It's spaghetti code in almost every single product. So there's like a huge scope for this to be better. And it's really funny, like 90% of the people I talk to are like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting, but clearly have no clue what I'm talking about. And then like one in 10 or one in a hundred is like, oh my God, that's so cool. I really need that like right now. So that's also really exciting to be working on something that is solving like a huge pain point, even though it's not for like everyone, but for the people who are building products, which is also something I really care about. Yeah, I love that. Okay, and then more on, because you knew the founders before. Yeah, okay. So this is partially why I've been so reflective of my own privilege, because as a little bit of backstory, if this is the first episode someone is listening to and doesn't know my story is I was working as product manager for a company called Promogogo. And we were, we had a product that was data for the live music industry. Newsflash, we have a pandemic happening (laughs) where there are very serious limitations on how many people can gather in one location and rightfully so. So there is not a lot of tickets being sold at the moment. And we had uh, some difficult conversations at Promogogo and we like, it's not even that like, oh, maybe we should just like lay low for a little bit. But the fact of the matter is a lot of the tours that have already sold tickets that were supposed to happen this year and have now been moved to 2021, those tickets are already sold. So there's not even a huge payoff if we kind of wait out the pandemic. So literally the day we were talking about, like, it doesn't make sense for us to operate pretty much at all, but at least not with a full team. I was probably going to like step down, be let go, whatever language you want to use there. Like literally that day I saw on Twitter, Steph, who's my new CEO, and you should probably follow her on Twitter because she's cool. (laughs) She posted on Twitter that she was looking for somebody to do growth marketing. And I was like, oh, I could probably do that. (laughs) (laughs) 
So I, because it's such so much more technical than what I'm used to, I was like, I probably don't stand a chance. But I DM'd her on Twitter and I was like, hey, I saw you're looking for someone. Uh, the live music industry is non-functional at the moment. Um, are you like, do you want to talk basically? And she said that she'd love to have me in the mix and asked me to fill in an application. And yeah, I was having like major imposter syndrome because it's such a like a technical job. And then I was also having major like, oh my God, why am I so privileged? Because I wasn't really actively looking for a job. This kind of like just came across my radar. But then my mom, again, reminded me that it was actually a pretty rigorous interview process. And this company is backed by some major finance people in uh, San Francisco. They, this is like a VC-backed company, which is different to what I was doing before, because before we were self-funded. So that's... yeah. Everything was super DIY and we were just doing everything ourselves. But this company has some of the best investors in the world. And it I'm also just excited about that. Being in a VC-backed company is a totally different experience. And for people who know anything about that space, they're actually backed by Y Combinator, which is a huge, huge deal. That was like a huge deal to me because yeah. Paul Graham, who's at Y Combinator, I like love his writing. I followed his work for years and years. So just a little bit more about how I knew about the company. I met Steph like at a conference, maybe like two years ago. But like, I was like, oh, she looks like she's doing something in San Francisco. I should probably like know what she's up to. Then I saw on the Nordstack email list that they went through the Y Combinator Accelerator. And I was like, wow, that's amazing. And then I actually saw they were looking for somebody last year. And I thought like, oh, that could be a cool company. But I obviously wasn't looking for work at the time. But then what really sold me on it is I went to a product manager's meetup in Reykjavik last summer and I saw her speak mm -hmm. and she just explained the problem that's being solved so well about like how it's so frustrating to work with some spaghetti data that is so inconsistent and you can't know what's happening and it takes so much time to analyze it. And now you've lost kind of you know, the point, if you're trying to make a decision today, but it takes three months to analyze the data, like you're just playing this like never ending game of catch up. Right. So I was like, oh, that's actually a really cool problem to be solving as well. So yeah. So then what happened, what I explained happened. And yeah, it was so crazy because then when they called me to tell me that I had the job, I didn't believe them. I had only prepared for the conversation where they were like, well, thank you so much for your time, but we decided to go with someone else. So I actually asked them to call me back the next day where I had had the chance to like chill out a little bit <laughs> before I was able to have any kind of practical conversation. But yeah, but I've already started. <laughs> so yeah, it's been kind of like a crazy pace of everything because I still had responsibilities with my old job. I still had things going on there. I obviously still have my life in London to kind of try to manage in one way or another. So yeah, like I said before, my soul is still kind of coming into its own. Catching up with everything that's <laughs> happened. Yeah. I feel like everything moved really quickly. And then in the midst of all this, of course, you know, for the listeners will know that you went from London to Reykjavik to stay and live in Iceland. And then you had to find an apartment. So you like moved into a new apartment. Uh, and in the in the middle of all that, doing interviews and getting a new job very shortly after you moved into your new apartment. Yeah, this like I think those last two months have just I, I think I'm just going to like black out from this time because <sighs> I had like no 
time to find myself a new place to live. I think we talked about that on the last episode. And then what I had kind of envisioned for myself, and I obviously don't want to be ungrateful, but <laughs> I know this sounds really bad, but I was almost kind of looking forward to just having maybe like a couple of months or a couple of weeks. I don't know exactly the time frame, just to kind of like perfectly clean up my OmniFocus and <laughs> make sure all my old notes were like nicely filed and organized and maybe just go on vacation for a couple of weeks or just about anything. And <laughs> that has not been the case. I'm like immediately like full on into uh, really exciting work, which I'm so, so, so grateful for. But yeah, there's not been a lot of like time to take a breath. Not a lot of downtime. Yeah. No. Yeah, but it's still really exciting. I'll link to um, Avo and, and Steph in the show notes for anyone that wants to take a look. Yeah. It's really weird to also still have so much imposter syndrome and then also be so aware of your own privilege. It's been like emotionally also really like complicated, but I'm just grateful we're having this conversation and I'd be super curious if anyone is also experiencing a lot of complicated, conflicting things. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do memos. The only section that's in the correct place for this episode, <laughs> or that's in the normal place for this episode, which is at the end. Yeah. Our first memo point I am personally very excited about. The backstory here is that we've used Notion for something, and I was... Very, very slow to adapt Notion. Habby has been <laughs> the one that's been excited about it. And I sort of saw it as like very overhyped in the tech sphere. And I tried it once and I was like, this is too much for me. I'm not interested. And I sort of never went back to it. I've since had to start using Notion and wanted to start using Notion more for work, which has been really helpful. I don't even know if we've talked about this, Habby. But Habby, you suggested a while ago now that we should move our bookshelf into Notion. Yes. Because it's so much cleaner and easy to see and easy for us to add and easy for people to access. And I was really excited about that. So I moved all of our books over <laughs> to Notion, which was a huge project. And it's funny because I've tagged all of our books with which episode they were mentioned in. And we have a lot of recurring books. <laughs> like we talk about a lot of books regularly. I'm not going to mention them because that's just another tag that we're going to have to add to them. So we're not talking about, we've already mentioned several of them. You can go to the bookshelf. You can see which ones have the most tags. And I will include the link in the show notes. And it's in Notion and we're really excited we're really excited for people to be able to use this. And I know we talk about a lot of books and I've had people like DM me on Instagram and be like, what was that book you were talking about that was like this? Now we're finally going to have one place where we can send people. I feel like I've had this vision of a bookshelf since like episode four and it's finally here. And you yeah. and Haley did a lot of the heavy lifting on this and I'm so grateful. <laughs> and oh my God, we've talked about so many books. Yeah, we have talked about so many books. So it's a table for anyone who's wondering where we have the name of the book, the author, a link to the book on Amazon. And I'm going to do a disclaimer that these are affiliate links. We are Amazon affiliate partners. And this is the first time that we're putting Amazon affiliate links in anything that we got our act together enough to do that. <laughs> so these are affiliate links for Amazon. We have who read the book, either one or the other of us or both of us, and then the episode that it's mentioned in. And then we kind of have genre and score and and some stuff that we haven't truly filled out. So maybe we'll fill that out a little bit more before the next episode. Oh, but I love it so much. It's so much easier to see all of these books now. And it's beautiful and minimal, which I appreciate. Yeah, what I really love about Notion, and I've actually been 
I think that the episode where we talk about my personal notion was one of the ones we just threw out entirely. So oh, yeah. I don't think that's ever come up exactly, but I have started my kind of personal public notion. And what I really like about it is that you can both have something in a spreadsheet, essentially, where you can sort alphabetically by who read it or who mentioned it, what episode was mentioned, whatever. But then you can also have it as almost like a gallery where you can go into like deeper notes about each individual one. And I just think that's such an elegant way to kind of cut up content and be able to sort it based on different preferences that I honestly haven't seen another product do it as seamlessly. But oh my God, we have so many books. We have so many books. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's the bookshelf. We will link to it in the show notes. Amazing. And also, we basically the reason we wanted to create this was for it to exist as a resource for our listeners, because I totally get it as somebody who also listens to podcasts. It's sometimes they're talking about something, but you're doing something else. So you don't really have the space to sit down and write it or whatever. Obviously, we have the show notes, but I think for people who've been listening to a lot of episodes, it can be hard to remember exactly what book was talked about at which, on which episode or yeah. whatever. So I love it. Me too. So we have a bookshelf. Please send us your book recommendations. And especially, uh, I think this is unsurprising if, you know, listening to this whole episode, please send us books by Black authors on any topic that we can highlight and share their books on the bookshelf. We would absolutely love to do that and love to read the books. Absolutely. Yeah, we would love, I think it's really important to like learn more about like the race conversation, but I would also just love a novel or uh, whatever other types of books we talk about. We talk a lot about like business books and self-improvement, whatever. So although we're like obviously now focused on the kind of conversation that's happening right now with Black Lives Matter, I think like Black people don't only talk about being Black, they also talk about lots of other things. And I think it's really important to include those narratives in what we're reading and what we're engaging with. So even though obviously this whole conversation is really important, I would also just love book recommendations from a diverse group of authors that are also just about whatever life things or about business or about fantasy. I read a lot of fiction. Yeah, any of that stuff. Please send us those recommendations for sure. And then one more time, we just want to say we we will give you writing feedback if that's something that we can help you with. Email hello at makework.work and the subject line writing feedback because we would love to amplify, you know, help lift you up to another level, whatever we can do. Exactly. So I was just excited to see what everyone's working on and what everyone's writing about because we both just... Love that space. Um, yeah. Should we just say thank you to Jan? Yes. Thank you to Jan. Yeah. So obviously Jan mixes this podcast for those who don't know. And he does a very good job. And we try to behave well technically. So he doesn't have any extra work. <laughs> which we're not always great at. Sometimes it works is... better. Sometimes it doesn't work as well. But we are always grateful. Yeah. So Jan is at wearelisteners.com. Yeah. So check out his work. And if you need mixing for a podcast that you have started during the pandemic because you have extra time, he's your person for making sure that your audio sounds good. Exactly. Are you, do you hear me? Wow. Why did so many things go wrong? Yeah. Okay. I hear you. Okay. That's good. By the way, just for your peace of mind, I've decided I'm not staying in the garage because the internet here, like that's just kind of like a deal breaker. So Yeah. That's fun fact. Mm. So you're also, you're moving? Yeah. At some point? Yeah. To be honest, I knew this garage would be like temporary. Um, yeah, for sure. 
So it's very nice, though. And that's what the mindset that you went in with it for. Yeah, exactly. So that seems right to me. Also, my new office is like right downtown. And I love the downtown area. And if I'm working there, why would I not live there? Good point. I know I don't live too far from downtown, but I still drive to work, you know, and I just want to be able to walk to work. Yeah, I like that a lot. 